Welcome to Rediscovering the Bible. We are humbled and honored to be here with you. The purpose of this show is to channel the authority of Scripture by presenting the Bible to modern people from its origins. The Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. We can and should act on what we receive from studying it. All right, we are back. I don't remember what episode this is, but we're continuing with uh, Genesis. So we're in chapter two, maybe going into chapter three. Um, previously, we talked about the Sabbath, I think. Yes. And then some about Eden. So Yes, we, co we cover a little bit of uh, the genealogies of, of the, the heavens and in the land, right? Yeah. It's an interesting term, the genealogy of the heaven. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> but that's what it kind of is, right? Because it, it, I think it's verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. Mm, so it's yeah. basically these the genealogies of the heavens and earth. Yeah. That is interesting. So I guess now we move into the... Uh, Eden, we talked a little bit about Eden as the mountain of God. Yes. And God is establishing a place where he can live with man, right? Yes. And uh, we talked before about the the three terraces, the three tiers of you have the earth and then the, the mountain and then the garden. Um, and the four rivers that come out of it. So everything flows from God, from his garden to water the whole world. Yes. Um, which is, is interesting because the number four is used a lot. Like for instance, we have four cardinal directions. So it, it kind of implies that, that that water from Eden goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. right? And he makes a point that, uh, I'm, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but <laughs> the uh, one of the rivers flows where there is gold, and that that land is good gold, and there's these precious stones there. So it's maybe a side note, maybe not, but you know there is gold that is not good. I mean, you do have fool's gold, but there's also forms of gold that that deteriorate into other elements, right? But these things where God has watered um, are the good areas, right? I mean, when, and then we have this uh, second river that flows, and it says around, in the ESV it says around the whole land of Cush, and Cush is what we call Ethiopia, right, nowadays, which is, Interesting, because if we take the view that Eden is in the the mountain is somewhere in the Near East, it might indicate that there was a major change in the geography. It might not, but it also kind of indicates that the river flows to the extent of their known world. Um, yeah. And then we also have the the Tigris and Euphrates mentioned, which are kind of like the breadbasket of the area. I don't know what more you you want to say about rivers, but <laughs> so the the yeah, the the idea is is that that um, throughout as, as as the story develops, 
right? We're going to have these moments of Eden um, through every single story where God delivers through rivers or through the waters, right? Um, we have, for example, Ishmael is about to die or in the, in the Abraham story in the desert. And um, there's a river there that gives him back life. And so the idea is that, that the rivers bring life, right? Um, it, and then it's important to know that where those rivers are coming is from the life giver. And then we, if we fast forward all the way to Revelations, then we see the same picture, right? That there's this, this uh, river that's coming out of the New Jerusalem, right? Where the tree of life is there, with a tree that uh, have fruits on every season, right? And so, so we have this. And then um, even in, 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 in the old uh, world, Mesopotamia actually means uh, in between rivers, Right, so the whole area it was between these two rivers that will flow from uh, the Garden of Eden, and so everywhere they, as the land was barren, the 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 theological uh, implication here is that life flows from God, from the mountain of God, even though uh, the land is barren everywhere else. There's this this God's grace, the flows that gives life and this is the place where god's going to bring the man and so he recounts the creation of the man here by saying that he formed him from dust and yes. i don't know one one thing that that reminded me of which may be a tangent is the golem like in jewish mythology there's this clay creature right that comes to life but there's there's almost a similar idea man is made from ground and what's really distinctive about humans is that he breathed life into them and he made the man a living creature so so if one interesting note right and i want to i know i just jumped in here but but it's it's it, it is a place where heaven and earth comes together in in the creation of human of, of man and the right? man himself yeah yeah because you, you have the material from a created subject with earth, which would later he will rule. And then you have the breath of God. And so in order for man to be to be a man, he needs a breath of God and the elements of the earth, right? So it's earth and heaven coming together there in the creation of, of man. That is a fascinating. And uh, it's also interesting to note that um, even though we reproduce now, you know, man and woman, we we still have this distinctive that God breathes life into each person. That there's no there's no natural event to you know give a human this that spark of life. It does come from God. Um, so in that way, we we share that in common, that distinctive as humans with Him. Um, but so it says that God uh, planted. A garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man. So the implication is that the man was not in the garden. There. He was brought up the mountain into the garden, which uh, kind of is a forecast, you know, because other opponents of God, the rebels, they want to climb the mountain, they want to overtake God. 
like yeah. in in Isaiah, he talks about the uh, the fallen ruler who says, "I will ascend the mountain, you know, and I will overcome the throne of God, so on. And here God is bringing the man up the mountain to his garden. Yes. Um, and the mountain is always traditionally is always the abode of the gods because in ancient times they didn't they didn't have the gear that we have. They didn't, you don't just go climb a mountain. It was dangerous, treacherous, you know. Yeah. And so that's where the gods lived. So to go up there was to kind of usurp the gods or take over. Um, another interesting note I, that I I pulled from a, I think it's from Michael Heiser. He's he mentioned that when Jesus gives his famous speech where he says, on this rock, he's standing at the foot of Mount Hermon, right? And so he's implying, you know, that the mountain of the gods, on that mountain, he's going to establish his kingdom. So we see here that God brings the man up, and then he has to be ejected from the mountain later on because of the fall. But this mountain that's contact with God gets reestablished through the kingdom of God, you know, the eternal one. So I think that's yeah. a kind of a cool connection in terms of mountains. <clears throat> so, yeah, it becomes, it becomes a, so, so one of the things that, that I've noticed too, right? Um, it is on verse five, when, when I think the ESV says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, right? Um, but in Genesis 1, uh, it, it talks about that the, there was the plants, mm-hmm. right, that the wear. And so um, do you think there's a, there's a difference between the shrubs of the field and the plants of the, of the field? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, the words, are, fu- the, words are, the words are different. Yeah. Right? It says so I, that. No plant had yet sprung up. Yeah. When no bush of the field, right? Yeah. Or no shrub of the field. And so it could be that it means they just hadn't, they weren't able to fully mature because there was no gardener. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, that's right. And and so, so it's funny because he makes a distinction, right? There was no bush of the field and there's no plant of the field, right? And so... I don't know. I, I think maybe maybe one is edible and the other one is not. Maybe. But right? maybe the plants, yeah, the plants will immature. be edible and, and, yeah. and the shrubs will be um will be you know, shrubs. Who's gonna eat shrubs, right? Yeah. That could make sense because I like one year I, I tried to plant a cucumber vine and it <laughs> spread like over half my yard. Like it was massive. <laughs> it was all over the patio and but I didn't get I think maybe I got two cucumbers because it just went forever. The vine was huge, but there was no fruit. So, yeah, it could be a good analogy for for what we were looking at there. I know, but I, I the reference might just basically mean that there was no no plants that were edible and plants that were not edible, right? There were no plants. It's like a barren land, right? Which is which is kind of um, it's it, it it almost like it's bringing you back to that Tahoe Babohu from Genesis one, 
right? Where there's this this barren land um, that is there. Yeah. Right. So, it, so in, in other words, Eden was built, but it was barren, right? Uh, and so, and then you needed the plants to to come up. Yeah. So in I know in Genesis one, the, the order is that the plants come before man, right? And and so, and it, it is a big. The order is is, is it's a, it's one of those things that you look at it now with science, right? And you realize the oxygen, and and the trees and all of that. Um, and so in in Genesis one, that order kind of follows the same thing, right? Without trees. There's no humanity, but the trees come first, then humans come into the picture. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of take it to mean that he, it was uh, kind of chaotic because there was nobody there to bring order. And so it could be similarly to how God brought order to the creation. Man brings order to the garden, to the fields, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he is to rule, right, over it. Um, so it, in a way to rule over it for, for, for Adam, was in a specific, uh, meaning for him to take care of it, right? Um, to work it, to take care of the land and the animals. Right. So God puts him in the garden to work it and he gives him the command. He says, yes. you can eat of every tree of the garden, but. Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Yeah. Or you will die. And uh, so this is obviously a pivotal point in the story. Yeah. It's the crisis. It could go really good or it could go really bad. Um, And, you know, one thing to point out here is he gives the command prior to Eve coming along, right? And so it's. It's up to Adam to pass along the word. And so it's at this point, uh, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. And he forms the beasts. And Adam's first job is to name the creatures. Yeah. And he gives names to all the livestock and the birds and the beasts of the field. So it doesn't say that he names insects. I guess <laughs> we leave that up to the Latin speakers later on. Um, but so among these animals, there was no fit helper. So the dogs didn't cut it. You need more than a dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so God puts Adam to sleep and he took his side. I know we have an issue with the word rib, right? <laughs> I know, I know, right? I think so. One of the things that I'm that, I'm, that I find it most interesting is this literature style um, that Genesis, especially Genesis one to eleven, is written right in the words in the context that they're used. So a lot of times when God does something and He uses a certain word. And humans do the same thing with the same word description. It's usually in a different context, right? It's not it's not the same. And so, so when when we look at these words, right, is what what is it meaning by that? What is the, there's something that got to be deeper than 
than what it sounds like. And, and to be honest with you, I have no idea why um, the translators uh, translated the word rib. I don't know how that made it into our into in, into our translations, right? But it wasn't a rib. It was a. It was the the word is side, right? Mm-hmm. The tradition, I guess. Yeah. So so that that to me makes it that to me is interesting, um, because we hear we hear so many analogies and so many things that that a lot of times they're just things that they sound good. And I'm not saying they're bad, right? But we kind of push that agenda into into the scripture when it's that's not what it's saying. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because you a lot of the rib analogy fits, you know, was taken from his side, not his foot, not his head. So there's that equality. Yeah. But some of it doesn't fit either. But that word is also translated as like planks or beams elsewhere. So we can maybe think of it as some some fundamental part of Adam was taken. I mean, for all we know, it could be like a blood transfusion. I think Chuck Smith said maybe Eve was cloned, you know, the first cloning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, in, in, in the meaning of the text, um, it's, it's men, men and women as one flesh. So it's, it's, it's one side of, of a whole. That's the idea, right? Yeah. So you have one side, Adam, the other side is Eve. Right, because we can get we can get really funky with our with our views and our ideas and that. I heard somebody said that Adam was uh, both male and female until God took out the female from him. Right, well, I mean, you, you hear some crazy things, man, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute, that's not necessarily what is what the text is saying or implying at all, right? Uh, so, yeah, and then the, the, other, the, the other word that, that we that we miss misuse really bad actually is um when when god says i will find a helper mm. right if, if if we misinterpret red then we definitely busher helper right and and then we have this these hierarchies there that really diminish um and it, it almost makes make it sound like it's more of a, a slavery thing than, than you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Than, than what God is intended to, to, uh, to mean in the, in the word. And so we, we, we see this, this word helper and we figure that, okay, they're less than. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's why it's important to get, to figure, to get the rib right. Right. To get that is one side of the other side. Yeah. Right. It, 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 and so, it's a, it's, it's a compliment. Uh, it's a compliment of each other. Uh, and so that means that men couldn't do it. So therefore, Eve would come into the picture and, and together they would accomplish it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we uh, run up against this issue with the translation because they have to... Um, in a way, they I don't want to say they dumb it down, but they target a certain general reading level, right? And so they use generic terms like helper. But another translation could could be sucker, which is like a, like as you're saying, a partner who's 
helps you through times of distress. You know, it's almost like a a a mate in a war. I mean, that's the sense of it. Somebody who can help you with anything, not just cook dinner and sweep. You know, it's much much more. <laughs> it, uh, uh, so, I, even though it's in the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit comes right as a helper, or it's introduced in the in that in that language, right? But we don't view the Holy Spirit in that in that same way, mm. right? So when we think of helper, we think more of our position in the sense that I'm gonna have somebody that I can bust around, then. Then the other way, where it's like I couldn't accomplish it, so therefore they're sending somebody else to help me accomplish it. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Like, right? I can't and, do and it so, on my own. Yeah, yeah, right. And so that you you couldn't do it on your own. That's why you you went from you went from being alone to being one flesh. Mm -hmm. You see the difference, right? Yeah. And so so in in, in other words. The word helper here is, is basically not helper. It, it would be better translated if we say uh, divine provision. Then it changes. Yeah. It changes the, the meaning in our minds, I guess, at least, right? Hopefully. Um, it is divine provision because you because men could not do it. So men had to depend from, from divine provision. And the divine provision is that it is not good for men to be alone. So you being you go from being alone to being one flesh. And so that becomes a a more um, a more a, a different way of viewing it, I guess, right? Yeah, definitely different from the traditional uh, view of marriage, I think. And I, I don't mean man woman; I mean the patriarchal view. Because for honestly, for most of history, women have been second class, right? And uh, not that we're raging feminists, but I think <laughs> nowadays we we could we would do well to have it. a better understanding. Yeah, nowadays we're we're pushing agendas uh, uh, to an extreme to try to balance the things right, but which is also wrong. Um, but but look, in a context for all these good things that the Lord has been creating, and everything is good so far up to this point, right? And then the Lord looks and he says, you know what? There's something that's not good because, you know, it's not good because man cannot fulfill his vocation. That's what's not good. It's not that God is not good. It's not that he's, what he's doing is not good or anything like that. It's, it's the ability of man not being able to fulfill his vocation. So it's not good for him to be alone because alone he couldn't do it. Yeah. Right. And so therefore he gave some you know, divine provision that yeah. he will be able to fulfill the vocation that God has for them, right? And Adam, I think Adam really understood that because he says, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Yes. Um, and, <clears throat> yeah. So an another uh, thing in here is verse 21, it says God caused him to go into a deep sleep, which... Is, is another one of these recurring things. God comes to people in dreams, but he also, for instance, put Abraham to sleep when he made the covenant. And so God is doing a, some kind of work alone. So this is something that Adam couldn't help with. Um, 
I mean, we we think of it maybe in terms of surgery. You know, God anesthetizes them. Yeah, that's but, that, I think that's how we that's how we view it, right? I, which, which is it's interesting because you know we we view it in this way, <laughs> view it in this way because we still think it's a rib. Yeah. Right. And so we view it like God, all of a sudden, this God that called everything into into existence with his word, right, decided to create man with his hands out of clay, right, dust, clay. Um, he decides to do that. Uh, but then all of a sudden, he, he goes, in, in our understanding of, of our modern world, right, this God became a physician who got a scalpel, opened up one side, took out a rib, and created Eve. Eve. Mm-hmm. Right? So to th- think about the implications of that. Do, you, do, do we think that the, the, the people that are listening to Moses that are reading this, people of, of that time, is that the same picture that they have that we, that you and I have? And that's definitely not the picture that they have in mind. And they're understanding the story. But mm-hmm. how are they understanding this story and how can I understand it in the same way without thinking that I'm smarter and better because I'm more modern than they are? How can I understand what God is doing here without putting my thought into that? And I, that, that can be challenging because I think that targets, triggers our pride. Yeah. And so, but, but, but you hear it all the time. I mean, you hear it all the time, you know, God put him to sleep then surgically remove the rib. I mean, I you hear some some things that I guess, I, again, again, you know, I've probably been a part of that at one point in my life. I've said things that I'm like, wait a minute, that's not even what the text is even implying, right? And, and so what what is the word that he put him to sleep? And what does it mean by that? Mm. You know, that word is, is, is not a common word in Hebrew. The, the word only appears a few times. And you mentioned one of them, right? One of the main ones, uh, which is Abraham. Um, and in, 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 in the Abraham story, <laughs> it's interesting because in the Abraham story, the, the reason, the context of why he put him to sleep, why he went into this deep, deep, uh, deep sleep, is because Abraham was not able to perform what God was going, going to do for him. Mm-hmm. And the Abraham story is is I, be, I believe is when the sacrifices right when when there is of the bloody yeah. road, and, and and the covenant is fulfilled where two have to walk through there, and 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 the, that the idea of that is that let's say you and I we're gonna make a deal a business deal, and you have something to fulfill I have something to fulfill in this deal. And so we cut a whole bunch of cows or whatever animals, we cut them in half, and we have to both walk to seal our, our agreement, meaning that if I don't do what I said I was going to do, you can cut me like those animals, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that was the deal that Abraham was going to make with God. We already know because we can see the whole story that Abraham was not able to make that, right? He was going to fail. Abraham was going to fail. And so God decided to him walk without Abraham, taking the place of Abraham and his place in the covenant. So God gives him the promises, and he becomes the sacrificial 
right, for Abraham. And so Abraham is, is put in, in a deep sleep. And I know that this is a whole different story. This is a whole different subject, right? But the reality is that every time, the few times in the Bible that we hear this word deep sleep, it has nothing to do with um, God in the rebound or anything. It, 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 the, the context of all of that is that it is a time when God is going to do something for men that man cannot do for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There are a lot of parallels. I mean, you mentioned the animals cut in half. Adam's side is taken to sleep. So it's, I don't know, there's there's a lot in common between the two. Yeah, but that's 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 all, that's one uh, of the examples. I mean, there's uh, um, Abraham is one. Daniel is one, right? In Daniel uh, eight eighteen and Daniel ten nine is when Daniel goes into a deep sleep as he experiences his visions in the coming of God's kingdom, right? That's that's another one that that the word is used. Um, Judges uh, four twenty one, uh, Sisera. He is in a deep sleep, and Jael uh, pegs him in the tent, right? All right. Right? So uh, Saul and his soldiers, they fall into a, a, a deep sleep to prevent from awaking and capturing David, right? Uh, Judah uh, in Isaiah 29.10, uh, Judah's leaders, in there, they got cut all the communications through the prophets of Judah's leaders, right? Um, Jonah. In, in Jonah 1, 5 to 6, Jonah runs from God and tries to escape to his self way, right? And, and so we have all in Psalms, it's another, it's another verse where God rebukes uh, enemy warriors and reduces them to a deep sleep. And so, so what, what is it that the context of all these stories have in common, right? And, and, and it's, it is a sleep that doesn't happen by you. It's a sleep that God makes happen, first of all. Right? It is a deep sleep caused by God for a reason. Right. Right. And and, and that reason is it's it's either deliverance, it's either is it God is going to do something the man cannot do for himself. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes it, it's it's crazy, right? Because that changes. I mean, for me, that changes the game, right? That changes the, the game from from viewing it as in a specific of surgery procedure to a divine intervention, right? A divine intervention of God doing something the man cannot do for himself. Yeah, that's a good good thing. And it, it's, I think it's worth noting that it's still something God does, but just <clears throat> uh, in bringing a man and woman together, you know, which is interesting. We don't, uh, we don't get cut in half, but. <laughs> Same the Lord, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the, so so yeah, I mean that the the story sets up the theme that will follow um in the mandates that that will continue through it. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so a, a, another word that you that if we're gonna if we're gonna start breaking down words, right? Um uh another it's the, the language that is used in there, right? In, in Genesis 2, especially verse 20, 21 and 22. Let me see, let me see how he reads it in, in the ESV. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon men. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh. And closed up 
its place with flesh. And the rib, that's what the ESB says, right? Had, oh, had taken from the man he made into a woman. They brought her into the man. But in the, in the NET, it reads a little bit different, right? So it says, so the Lord caused the man to fall to a deep sleep. So at least on this one, they added like the deep sleep. It's not a regular sleep, deep sleep. And while he was asleep, he took apart the man's side mm -hmm. and closed up the place with flesh, right? Then the Lord God made a woman. But the word made, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not made. It's, the word is actually is, is to build or to construct something. So God built or constructed something, right? This is the same word that later on is going to be used when Noah constructs or builds the ark. Mm. Right, and, and so, so what God was doing with Eve was something more than just making a woman. If if, and so, when we start breaking down these words, the meaning and the meaning of the text enhances, right? Yeah. For sure. So it's a, it it becomes it becomes a little something else, right? Because then 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 what God is doing is something beautiful. God is. It's um, it's creating, it's it's uh, it's, it's something here, right? Yeah. And, and every time he's referring to this, believe it or not, it's referring to, um, it's referring to something that has to do with with the temple, because the so this this term, so this vocabulary, this 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 these words that that is used, um, it's. it's basically describe the construction of a building mm -hmm. and in, 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 in the other places that you find this word is talking about the construction of the building not you know not just any building I it have to do with uh, with sacred space mm. right it, it, the Ark of Noah was one of them then you have the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus same word then you have the temple in first Kings and then you have the new temple in the new Jerusalem or Lady Zion in Isaiah 54 and 60. Right? There's a, another interesting uh, three-layered structure because you have the woman and the womb yeah. and then exactly. the infant, the fetus. So you see where it's going. Yeah. You see where it's going with, with, with what he's saying, right? Yeah. That, that's how the Hebrew works. So so the, the Hebrew works uh, it, that they tell you a lot with a little one word has, you know, and so the words kind of matter, right? Uh, to the, the building of the woman, um, it's it's intentional here, right? It, it because that will, I think that begins a design pattern that is fundamental for for the narrative, right? God's provision of blessing or deliverance, a sacred gift that is meant to to bring uh, to bring you closer in union with God. Right. Yeah. So, so the woman is supposed to bring, bring you closer in union with God in a sense. Right. And so tragically though, um, God's provision ends up in abuse. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it causes the downfall of, in a way, as a result of the disobedience, right? Not necessarily God's provision, but, but it, it that's, that's what it, that's what it goes. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, I guess it goes without saying, but he, the chapter ends with this little admonition about marriage. And this is why we have this pattern of a man and a woman holding fast and that they were not ashamed. And that's, it's an interesting way to end it because in a lot of, uh, societies there is shame and guilt associated mm-hmm. with sex and and uh man and woman i mean you have every uh i don't know all the way from you know open pornography in some places to yeah, yeah. the woman in the burqa with a face covering you know yeah. so so in a way to put it more interesting like you said right you you, you have the the three layer um with the women um it, it, to, to, to to really push that, because you you were into something, so you got me thinking, right? Yeah. Um, that the salvation that is going to come, the future hope that, that comes from this fall, will actually come from the seed of the woman, mm-hmm. right? And so it so the the building or the creation of the building of the woman opens the pattern for the building of not just any building, right? Um, but it also points out. Um, to the seed of the woman, so so he's telling us the whole story within just a few words. Yeah, pretty fascinating. <laughs> that is pretty fascinating. That's pretty good. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. It's I don't know, man. I'm probably geeking out right here, right now. But <laughs> we could go another hour. Not today, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what it is, right? That, yeah. that, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. That's that's a uh, I mean, everything ties together. Everything. I mean, God is very intentional. Um, what are the odds that these authors moved by the Holy Spirit are just throwing their words and, and information that don't make no sense? Mm. Right? That's, that's not what it's meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, next time we can look, we'll get into the fall and the oh. snake. Yes, yes. <laughs> We'll get into chapter three then. And I know there's a lot that we kind of could have, I mean, look, we could be hours here uh, breaking down these words and doing the meaning. We just done a few and hopefully what we've done here uh, with, with what Matt has done today, it's um, his, his, you know, light up spark in everybody's, um, whoever's listening, lights the spark of curiosity that you can just go for yourself and, and, and find the definitions and see where these words have been used in the, in, in, in the Bible and what is the context and bring that together to the context of what you're reading, right? What it means. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. More than just, uh, we, as Dr. Heiser used to say, you know, it's time to move beyond Bible reading <laughs> and get into actually studying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Meditate. That's power meditation though, to meditate on the word, right? All right. All right. Well, thank you. Right, yes, sir. Until next, next time. time. All right. Thank you for joining us today in rediscovering the Bible. More information, including study notes, can be found at rtb.para.church. If you have any questions about this episode or content you would like us to cover, send an email to rtb at cypressfellowship.org. RTB as in rediscovering the Bible. Good day and God bless you.